HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned, attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. And when I am not hosting In the Drink, you can find me at one of our uh, restaurants all in downtown New York City, either at Delanima, Lartuzzi, La Picho, or our wine bar, Anfora. Um, and I did want to give a shout out to uh, a few things going on at Anfora. Um, we have been doing midnight magnums. Uh, we're open till 2 a.m. at Anfora. Uh, Monday through Saturday, and then 1 a.m. on Sundays. And after midnight, all of our magnums are, are half price. Um, and we've specifically chosen some really exciting magnums for this program. Uh, and we also have a new assistant beverage director at Delanima and Anfora. Her name is Tara Hammond. And uh, Tara, if you're listening, uh, congratulations. Uh, Tara's worked with us as a server, a bartender, a cellar hand. Um, she is currently doing the diploma in wine and spirits at the Wine Spirit Education Trust, and she is a rock star. And we're excited to work with her. Um, also, if you like this episode of In the Drink, uh, please go to iTunes and uh, subscribe. You can get new episodes in your mailbox every week. Um, or you can always listen to previous episodes on the Heritage Radio Network website, uh, heritageradionetwork.com, uh, backslash in the drink. All right. Uh, this is going to be a great show today. I'm really excited about our guest. Uh, his name is Jack Mason. He is the wine director of Marta Restaurant, the, the uh, is that the newest Danny Meyer restaurant no, uh, after untitled or before at, untitled. Before untitled, uh, and it is a uh, a place where a lot of wine enthusiasts, uh, sommeliers, professionals, uh, geeks, people who just love a good glass of wine and a great uh, uh, piece uh, slice of, of pizza. It is just an awesome, awesome restaurant. Uh, Jack, welcome to In the Drink. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm so excited to be here. 
Uh, it's it, it's exciting. I mean, your restaurant is definitely, uh, and especially your wine list is one that uh, I think people are, are really excited about right now. Um, can you tell us kind of what went into uh, putting it together? And, and for those of you guys who, who haven't been, the the wine list focuses on Italian wines, uh, often very, very well-priced, um, and an incredible selection of champagne. Uh, how did you come? Uh, how did you come to put this list together? So, you know, it, it was a really exciting project to get to uh, be a part of opening a Danny Meyer restaurant in New York City. And um, so, you know, we are a, a sister restaurant to Maialino. We have the same managing partners. So the idea from the get-go was to be Italian only with champagne. So, um, you know, it was uh, – the, the champagne thing uh, at first was not going to be as big as uh, – maybe i wanted it to be um there was a few people like hey well you know like it's a pizza place like let's you know keep it easy focus on the italian stuff um but you know from the get-go i wanted to help people you know just have fun and that's the goal of marta is just to walk in there have fun have a great time uh and so you know for me part of that is champagne and i think it goes really really well with pizza and so we uh i i decided to say you know what like we're going to make this accessible and make it affordable and make it something that where you can actually go in there and you could either order a bottle of red wine which you normally probably would or you could order a bottle of champagne for the same price and so um you know that's kind of where it all got started and as we got open and got to expand the list and got to grow and focus on it um it it was something I just continued to champion, and, and people started to enjoy it and engage with it, and so that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, I mean, you'll hear sommeliers often talk about champagne's versati- versatility with food, right? It's uh, something that we all wish that people would drink more with food and not just as a celebration. Uh, and you hear high-low pairings like champagne and french fries or fried chicken, uh, but pizza is actually not one I've heard much at all. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think it pairs so well with pizza and how do you approach that pairing? Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, you, you have a couple of different components, whether you have like a red sauce-based pizza or you have something that uh, you know, like white based, but generally they have a little bit of acidity, right? Um, so champagne has insane acidity. You also have the dough. Uh, you know, champagne is so based on yeast and yeast interaction mm-hmm. with that uh, sort of dough. I think that that pairs very well. But there's just this symbiotic pairing of bubbles that kind of cleanse your tongue. The acidity that cuts through the red sauce or the you know the richness of the cheese. It's just this amazing pairing of, and it, it, it like you said, not most people like come to think of that, but uh, it, it is. A really truly a great food and wine pairing great and uh, i've noticed that a lot of the champagnes on your list uh kind of tend towards the grower champagne end of the spectrum is that something that was an intentional decision or is that just the wines that you te- you're kind of most excited about right now so you know for me like i have no problem with big houses at all um but what uh you find is that the price to value ratio it tends to be a little bit different with growers growers offer a little bit more value you can get some amazing stuff and it tends to be significantly cheaper now there are some great houses big houses that we do have on the list like krug or bollinger those sorts of things you know those wines are truly amazing but you know they're a little bit more expensive so you know for me the balance was having make sure we have a lot of value oriented champagnes as well yeah, and speaking of value-oriented, I, th- I feel like you're kind of making us all look bad because your <laughs> prices are so good. How do you do it? Well, um, you know, it's a decision from a, a business aspect, but also, you know, we utilize a lot on uh, our ability. We do have a little bit more of a focused list, so we can really 
take those big drops, get the best prices, you know, those sorts of things. So we're capitalizing on everything mm-hmm. that we can to kind of... You have plenty of storage space. Yeah. We thankfully oh. were blessed with a, a fairly large New York City seller. So. <laughs> wow. That is, the, you know, that's like your your friend who got the rent-controlled apartment. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of happy for him, but, yeah, but yeah. At, least we, at least we get to share in, you know, your Beresh for under $70 on your list, which is insane. Dude. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and you have three champagnes by the glass. Do you use like a champagne preservation system? System for those or are people drinking enough of it that yeah thankfully you know that's something when we opened i wanted to have but we move through the product so quickly thankfully it's not a big issue wow that blows my mind <laughs> is that has it been like was that from the get-go that people just saw it and they were into it or did it i know you're you know the reputation of the restaurant has grown as more people have experienced how how great it is has that really picked up recently yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, people didn't walk in there ordering champagne. So yeah. as we've grown and people kind of use the list and they're like, whoa, okay, cool. And the word got out. That's definitely become a bigger thing. Jeez, that's incredible. Uh, I absolutely love your list. What are some things that, that you threw on on the non-champagne side that you're super excited about? Um, you know, I uh, I am just an Etna freak. I think the wines are so good, uh, whether they're white or red. Um, those are kind of exciting Um you know, we, uh, I like to focus on kind of maybe more of the Alto Piemonte stuff just because they're a little bit more fun, they're fresh, they're a little bit more accessible in youth, um, especially with pizza and those sorts of things. You know, it, it's, it's not, it's a little bit harder of a list because, you know, we're in the Italian centric uh, community and so much Italian wine, but I have like 200 selections. So I have to really, and a third of that is champagne. So like, I have wow. to really like focus and, um, but you know, those are two areas that I really like to. Yeah, have you seen these uh, these pictures of Etna blowing up? Uh, Dude, it's so CNN? cool! It's insane! It's insane! <laughs> Jeez, the lava tower, I, I guess, is uh, as tall as two Empire State Buildings or something like that. It's yeah, crazy! It looks so crazy! Oh man! Yeah, and I can see the Alto Piemonte because those similar grapes, the lower Piemonte, but more acid in the soil, more acid in those wines, and when you have cheese and red sauce and olive oil. You yeah. need acid. Totally. Totally just works. And the tannins tend to be a little bit softer. You know, it's just a little bit more of accessible wine. Yeah. Okay. So you were, you're part of a, uh, a show on Esquire right now, on Esquire Network, uh, that I've been watching. And it's exciting. And it, it follows you and a few other sommeliers um, on the quest to attain the title of Master Sommelier. Spoiler alert. Woo. <laughs> Jack gets, <laughs> he, he passes the test. Uh, but tell us about that, that process uh, and, uh, and the, tell us about the show, how that all came together. Yeah, you know, so they, um, a, over uh, a year ago, um, were interested in putting this show together. And so they were polling, you know, MS candidates and those sorts of things in New York City. Um, and we were about to go to the exam two years ago and, or yeah, I guess it was two cycles of, uh, the exam and they were all ready to go. And then they're like, okay, we're going to wait. And so it went kind of silent. We went through that exam and then immediately after we're like, okay, we have someone that's going to pick this up. And so from that point on, we really started filming. Uh, and so for me, you know, I, uh, was in a position of, it was my third try, uh, and I was either going to pass uh, tasting or reset and have to start the whole process over again. And so uh, it was a little bit of, uh, I don't know if I want to do this sort of thing, but, you know, just having to focus on tasting, it gave me a little bit more flexibility and ability to say, okay, I can do this. But beyond all that, we opened a restaurant, <laughs> you opened a restaurant during, yeah. Yeah, during this time too. So it was just, for me, it was pretty insane to balance MS 
opening Marta and then, you know, being pulled every once in a while for this show. And so, um, I mean, I'm glad. Was it a big time commitment for the show? You know, it would be, you know, they just have like chunks of time, multiple, maybe a couple times a week, those sorts of things of sitting in a chair or filming something or, yeah. Yeah. Say this again about how nervous I was. Yeah, exactly. I'd say it again. Wait, tell me, tell me exactly this way. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what you felt, what you felt. But, but this, this is way. what you felt. <laughs> uh, it must have been so much added pressure on top of the the pressure of opening the restaurant and the pressure of you know passing this test to have those cameras on you as you're stumbling through it and and trying to to attain this. You know, for and it's so funny. I can see myself in it, like in the first episode. I like they pulled us in the middle of a day uh, to film that and. Uh, we are in pre-opening of Marta, and my brain is Marta, Marta, Marta right then. And it's like, I, Marta, Marta, Marta. <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with this, like, you know, uh, competition of the sort. Like, I just wanted, <laughs> you know, I just, I was like, I got to get back to the restaurant, guys. You know, it's on fire right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you find that the, the guys at the restaurant were understanding and supportive of what you're Yeah, doing? no, they, they were totally, totally nice, you know, because I, uh, I I pushed myself so hard that, you know, they're like, okay, well, just like, it's okay. You can do that. Because they knew I would get the work done and those sorts of things. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I mean, what? so did you find that you become kind of closer with that group throughout the process or is that? Yeah, definitely. You know, like I, um, I had studied with Josh Nadell and, and Yannick and the, uh, the sort, but never really hung out with like Dana or Morgan or those sorts of guys. And, you know, it's, there's a little bit of a, you know, uh, everyone kind of coming together just because you're in this common thing going mm-hmm. through this common experience that really none of us have gone through you know going into national television those sorts of things so it's been it's been interesting <laughs> what what did you learn through the process um i don't know it, it's really crazy how much you film and how little of it is worth anything you know it's like we filmed like five ten times what we did and then they pick like a minute of it and you're like yeah. wow okay I went through the same process for uh, Best New Restaurant Show, and uh, I was like, oh, that, that little nugget that I said I thought was really brilliant, and then they're like, it doesn't go in. And- yeah, it doesn't, doesn't fit their storyline, so. <laughs> Jeez. And are you able to watch yourself? Because I can't, I can't watch myself. I don't even listen to the show, actually. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it's fun. I, I think it's fun to... I watch it with my wife. Like, that's when we've been watching it. I haven't uh, watched a lot of the of the later episodes with friends so yeah that well man that, congratulations that's uh that's super exciting thanks man what i mean what was the most challenging aspect of uh of the of the whole exam for you well for me i mean it, it was anxiety with blind tasting and so you know i could walk into a blind tasting on saturday morning and you know do very very well get five out of six and yeah. describe the wines well and those sorts of things and then there would be this thing where i would like walk into uh the exam and just like start to shake and start to like kind of fall apart a little bit and would have to like stop and be like okay reset here we go so for me it was kind of overcoming this anxiety of this you know 25 minutes you work an entire year for 25 minutes like it's crazy when you put in that perspective but that's i think that all kind of subconsciously that mental portion of it is just as important as for sure yeah no i mean i definitely agree with that 
Do you? What has changed in your life since then? I I, I, I picture. You're now a master, and some like golden doors open, and yeah, dude, you walk through doors, confetti shoots out. It's crazy. No, yeah. I mean it's 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 really awesome to just see, um, you know, the respect that it brings, and like, you know, there are definitely opportunities and doors, and 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 for me, it's a big one is education and getting to get involved with uh, doing intro and certified exams and getting to you know help teach other people and those sorts of things. So, I don't know. It's it's, it's been really really cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. It's uh it's not uh it's something that I that I started and then uh chickened out when we opened uh Del Anima. <laughs> Actually it signed up for the advanced exam twice and then uh didn't end up taking it because I never felt I was prepared and uh you know, I, I can you know, do work it, work and life. Yeah, you just gotta do it. Ah, I'm going to leave it to you because you could pass it and you'll look good passing it. And, uh, you know, I'm, it's not going to happen for me at all. Fair enough. Um, all right. On that note, we are going to take just a very quick break. We'll be, we'll be back with more of Jack Mason here on In the Drink. for tuning in to this show. It's listeners like you that make our work possible. It's so exciting to me as the executive director of the Heritage Radio Network to see all the amazing work that's happening in food, drink, and agriculture. And you as a listener are driving that. You're telling us what you want to hear. And we want to be here for you. Now here's the hard part. We need you to be there for us too. We're a nonprofit radio station. All of our funding, 100%, comes from the support of underwriters that you hear at the top in the middle of each show, and from listeners like you, listeners who take five minutes out of their day to click that donate tab and throw a few bucks our way. And we promise to continue to work to earn your support. Thank you for believing in us. Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. Michter's cost-be-damn, taste-is-everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said, it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit michters.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's.
All right, we are back on In the Drink. We're here in studio with Jack Mason, the wine director of Marta Restaurant, a master sommelier, uh, one of the stars of Uncorked on Esquire Network, which is a really fun show. Uh, if, by the way, if you liked the movie Psalm, you'll uh, you'll love this. It, it gives you even more. It's much more in depth because it's uh, on many different shows. Um, and also, I forgot to say, a Forbes thirty under thirty. Congratulations! Oh, thanks, man. On that. Um, you should check out I, I have not been but uh i keep hearing about how much fun the uh the reunions are so i got to go this year did you go and, this year and the summit is pretty insane like you're just in a room of insanely talent i mean there are billionaires in that room and you're like wow this is crazy um so it, it was a lot it's a lot of like just a lot of fun but you know for me like one thing that i kind of you know i would love for the hospitality industry to be a little bit more like you know engaged and people like say wow that's really cool that you do what you do you know um you know because i don't walk up to someone and be like hey i'm a master something you know like hey i'm jack i'm the wine director of martin and they're like okay yeah well, okay cool you know like no that's really cool like <laughs> you don't want to like try to impress yourself upon people but you know for me like it, it's a pretty i would love for people to just engage with the hospitality industry and see a bit more as a profession you know because mm-hmm. there are so many in- insanely talented insanely intelligent people that are in our industry and you know i would love for people to take it a little more seriously yeah how do you think what do you think that we as wine professionals can do to help with that yeah yeah i am um, this is something continually i just always talking about and thinking about is just maybe not necessarily always getting pigeonholed into just wine but being like you know running a wine program is like running a small business within a business, right? And so being a little bit more business oriented and a little bit more like, uh, just overall perspective oriented, mm-hmm. not necessarily just, you know, what wine by the glass we're going to serve, you know, those sorts of things, but say, Oh, how does that affect the overall, uh, business and the overall restaurant and those sorts of things? So I don't know. That's one thing I continually think about. Okay. So you're talking about like your beverage costs, your inventory levels, right? Yeah. Like just understanding how that all affects mm-hmm the ability to look at a G, uh, you know a general ledger or look at the P&L and say okay look that's how we make money and oh that's how it affects it when i spend $100,000 on wine and we don't you know we keep 50 of it yeah. for the next month like oh that really affects cash flow okay all right <laughs> yeah i mean i guess the the fear for uh for cuz i agree with you and i think that becoming a, a well uh, a well-rounded restaurant industry professional is uh you know as important or more important than you know than than knowing uh, all you can know about about wine, right? Uh, the fear, I'd almost say, and and I love the show, but with with stuff like that and what's been going on in you know in the media with with promoting a sommelier so much is that maybe you get and we've we found this you know in the kitchens that people see the chefs on Top Chef and they're like. I'm going to do this and be a chef and I'll make glamour shots and that that's it. And they don't realize the work like you've, you know, you've been a sommelier in some great restaurants and Michael White's group and uh, still a very young guy, but you definitely have, have, have worked in the industry and, and put your time in and worked really hard. Uh, I wonder if, you know, one of the concerns might be, and I don't know if you see this, that, that people are like, Oh, I could do this. Yeah. You know, I think it's definitely, it's a conversation point, especially with like uncorked the show coming out and, you know, Psalm, the movie, so many people engaging with it. Like, you know, it, it's exactly what probably they see in the back of house is this, you know, it, it's not all, you know, 
running around in fairy tales and just like drinking wine all day you know there's so much hard work that goes into it and you know i think just giving an overall perspective of that you know i think that there is a little bit of a culture of you know just being this person who knows you know all the subregions of whatever you know crazy wine region but uh you know what is that how do you talk to a guest or how do you like run a wine program or you know those, all those sorts of things that are the foundation of what it does and you know that little piece that people see on the floor is just the, the fun part you know so i don't know it is the fun part yeah, yeah. <laughs> selling wine to guests and guests you know that's the fun part but the important part is everything that happens behind the scenes right right did you even have to study for the italy or champagne part or did you like oh, i got this i don't even need to to yeah. study no i mean definitely because the way that they like the questions that they ask and the way that they ask them you know it's like you know what are the uh um you, you know sweet wine docgs of this thing you're like oh wait like you know the, they're a quick a few of them they pop up immediately but then you're like oh wait i think like oh yeah herba luce de Caluso can make like sweet wine you know stuff like that where you're just like oh you have to know the depth of each of the things so yeah it definitely takes Mm-hmm. even more than <laughs> the the work i had to put in for marta so wow um that i guess uh that i guess that makes sense and do you did you find that was that's actually ended up being useful towards this goal that you're just stating of being a, like a well-rounded industry professional and helping guests out like knowing that herbal luchity is a docg sweet wine when it's made in a pasito style right yeah no i definitely do and uh I, what I love is, you know, sometimes you're like, why am I studying this or what? And then you talk to the winemaker from that region and you're like, you ask a very intelligent question. So I know that you can only blend this or you can only do this to the, and they're like, you can have a very intelligent conversation. You're like, oh, that's why I studied that. That's so cool. Like you get it in that moment, but sometimes it can seem so out there, Mm -hmm. but until you're like in the, in the context, you're like, oh, okay. It makes sense now. Yeah. So. What and what's your setup with uh, sommeliers? Do you have sommeliers at the restaurant? Yeah, so we have a, a team of four. Um, it, you know, it's a fairly big restaurant. You know, and it's all about pace. And so for us, we need just kind of more hands to kind of help out, whether it be running wine or, or helping to sell wine, but also clearing and you know being a part of the whole overall you know cog in the whole wheel. So um, we we usually run three at night and one during lunch. Um, you know, so it we're just able to help everyone out. you know. <laughs> yeah. And for them, is it mostly, is it mostly selling wine or they're literally like doing yeah. everything? Yeah. They're, I mean, the main focus and the goal is for them to help guests with wine. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're there to help the whole process along, you know? So when you have a moment and you're running food or clearing or those sorts of things, you know, so that's it. I mean, it's about being like a team player in China. Yeah, you know, like for me, uh, uh, the sommelier is this, this like nebulous thing between you're not quite a manager, but you're not quite their server. You're this like third person that can help create an experience and whether that be help clear their plates and reset them so they can get their food faster or that's get them the best bottle of wine that they would like and talk about them very ten- intelligently. Like that's that's the role, you know, it's not all about the, the wine. It's about being a, a bigger piece of the whole team. So. What, and what do you usually look for in uh, in sommeliers? Do they have to have a, a pure passion and love for Italian wines and champagne, or is it more on the hospitality side? Yeah, you know, I mean, you want definitely a good balance, but the, definitely the Danny Meyer model is, is one that looks more at someone's personality and those sorts of things, because we can teach you, or you can read a book about wine, but I can't teach you to be a nice person, you know? And so uh, that is definitely the 
the big, big piece of it. And then beyond that, we look at all those other components and say, okay, this is a well-rounded individual, mm-hmm. someone that we can definitely have on our team. So, How does that Danny Meyer philosophy infiltrate down into, into the restaurant on a, on a daily, everyday basis? What do you mean, the 51 percenter? Or? Uh, well, just the, I, I know that he has this philosophy of take care of your, the people who work for you first, right? And then the guests, and then maybe your suppliers, and then the community, and then right. the investors or something. And yeah, all five or, yeah, pieces, right? Um, and the, the, what we all think of, we all like kind of aggrandize Union Square, at, at least I, I do, and, and think that it's such a, you know, in terms of thinking of the restaurant as a group of professionals and making working a restaurant an actual profession, I think that Danny Meyer's done more, the, the group has done more to achieve that goal than, than anyone I can think of. Um, but when you're opening a restaurant, like what what is different, not to talk badly about other, you know, restaurants that you've worked with, but like what, what makes that a Danny Meyer restaurant that goes through you know your, your everyday worth of service i think yeah it goes back to number one making sure the employees are taken care of and you know with marcha we opened a little bit later and you know it's really hard You're, you have people getting paid like basically minimum wage with the intent of op- helping to open a restaurant and so you know it, it was it's a it's a struggle and a balance um because you know you have these people that are trusting in you and mm-hmm. you want to support them and take care of them so you know it, it was an interesting thing to to walk into but i mean just immediately the difference for me versus other restaurant groups i've worked in is just you feel this warmth i mean definitely a danny land feel to the whole thing of uh you know be just everyone really looking out for each other. And so it, it really does translate through the whole company. It's really cool. Really? I love that idea of the Danny land. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any other restaurant company that has as many master small A's working with it. Dude, it's crazy. It's we, so funny. we have as many in union square hospitality group as the entire country of Canada. So <laughs> here, <laughs> it's crazy. that's awesome. And yeah. more than many other countries, probably. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's super cool. All right, so now let's get a little bit geekier on some of the the wines that you're that you're really excited, regions that you're excited about. Uh, in, in our last few minutes, I want to know. I want you to let people know, like, what are, what are you actually drinking at home these days? Yeah, so uh, I'm definitely you know drinking champagne. Uh, I love good riesling, uh, whether it's sweet or dry. I think they're really interesting wines. Um, I love Chablis, white Burgundy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, you know, I'm the typical Psalm, whatever. But uh, I really do truly love all these wines because they're all so interesting. And, you know, it really comes down to balance yeah. of, and, and high acid generally. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's such an interesting interesting thing about champagne is like it feel like it's universally appealing, right? It's like I mean, I would always say this about the Barbera grape because but it it's mean it's even more true for champagne that, you know, someone who is not interested and doesn't pay attention like will still get a lot of pleasure out of cha- uh, any champagne or still be excited to drink it. Right. But if you are a total geek, you can really dive down into it. Yeah, I mean, it's mass appeal. <laughs> It's insane. I mean, and I so I feel like that is true about Barbera as well, in a way, because of yeah, the I mean, acidity and how juicy it is. Yeah, I mean, higher-end versions of Barbera are really, really, really good. You know, it was fun tasting with Maria Cherries and Mascarello in, in Piedmont when, you, you know, she tasted her Barbera. She 
she almost you could see almost more pleasure in her eyes than when she was t- talking about her Barolo. You know, it's mm-hmm. like she loves that wine, and so it's uh, it was really cool to see. It's much more instantly pleasurable too. Plus, her Barolo takes so, so long to age. So I don't know if you have. Any, I have uh, a good amount of 2006. Yeah, and I opened it up for Barolo dinner recently. And actually, this is something I learned from uh, a little bit, or I had a big conversation with, with Jeff Kellogg about like how how long before you're ready to serve even old Barolo, you can open it. And it's like nearly indestructible for like yeah. well-made old Barolo. But I opened up this Bartolo 06 about eight hours before, and it never came around. It oh never gosh. opened up. Just nails. It <laughs> And Cherie, who runs the the wine program over at Lartuzzi, had this incredible explanation or description of it that I'd never thought of before. And most wines, when you aerate them or decant them, especially in the glass when you swirl it, they become more aromatic. Uh, the the Bartolo Mascarello, you'd smell it without swirling it, and it had a certain really pretty aroma. And then when you swirled it, it shied up and it <laughs> hid away, away. And it went like a turtle back <laughs> into its shell, uh, which completely blew my mind. I never experienced that before. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, how was your trip to Barolo? I mean, that's uh, a pretty. Oh, I mean, it was, it was quick. It was fun. You know, we we hit uh, the big boys. We went to Giacomo Caterno. We went to um, uh, uh, Bartolo Mascarello. So it was it was really a lot of fun. Um, that was on the tail end of getting to see some other pretty amazing places like Valtellina, um, which is incredible. You know, you see pictures, but to actually like be there and be like, wow, okay, people actually farm this and pick grapes and grow grapes here. It's crazy. That Valtellina, I think, is also one. Of, I agree, one of the more interesting. This river valley where on the south side it's the alpine climate and on the north side it is like a Mediterranean climate just based on the exposition to the sun. Yeah. And blows my mind. Yeah, and, and the fact that people like are able to not just slip off and, you know, fall off the <laughs> cliff while they're picking grapes is literally like I was like blown away. Yeah. I mean I think you're starting to see, you know, our Pepe around a bunch. Those are beautiful wines. Was there anywhere in, anyone else in Valtellina that really kind of um, stuck I mean, out to you? So, I mean, some of the... Actually, I like some of the more like, mid-tier Prevastini wines. Um, sometimes the higher-end ones are a little... They put a little more flash and pizzazz on them. Not necessarily my style. Um, the, who, who else do I really enjoy? Um, uh, Canua Sertoli Salis. Yes. Uh, there's Forzato. It's pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty like balanced. Like it's too. not over the top. Um yeah, I generally like the ones that are less oaky and there can be ones that are definitely more oaky, so Ooh. Yeah. I mean I think that with those wines they have a certain delicacy to them and that oak can certainly overpower. But that Cantina Sertoli Salis is delicious, I think. And they usually release with a little bit more age on their yeah, on their I sports think We have a weight on the list, so that's fantastic. Well, Thank you, Jack. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Joe, man. This has been great. <laughs> uh, that's Jack Mason, the wine director at Marta, and also one of the stars of Uncorked on the Esquire Network. It's a great show that uh, follows those guys around as uh, as they try to get the Master Small A certification. Um, I want to give a big shout-out, a big thanks to uh, Jack and Jory, who make the show happen every week. Thank you, guys. You guys are the best. Uh, and thanks to all of you for listening. And always thanks to our sponsor, Michter's. Uh, it's been a great show. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.